Today's scripture reading will be from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Daniel. Good morning again. Since it's my last sermon before I leave for Vancouver, the pastors gave me free reign to choose whatever passage I wanted to preach on. So exciting for me. So brave of them. (laughs) Can I open us in prayer? Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your abounding, steadfast love for all of us. We thank you that you would not just redeem us through the blood of your Son, you would give us your word to guide us, to rebuke us, to teach us, to encourage us. And so we pray this morning that your word will stir up in our hearts a deeper love for you, a deeper love for your gospel, and a deeper love for each other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 22nd of January, 2016. We'd been in the hospital for almost five days now. Going down to the labor ward, being sent back up because it's not time yet, being sent back down to the labor ward, being sent back up to the general ward because it's still not time yet. All the time, me sampling every food stall in the food court downstairs. But now, after all that waiting, it was time to meet our son, Josiah, who many of you saw up there just now for the first time. One more push, and he's out. Would I like to cut the umbilical cord? Of course I would. My one small contribution to the entire process, that and telling the nurse that the ceiling was leaking. Careful not to cut the finger of the nurse. (laughs) Wow, the cord is spongier than I expected. I look down on the floor. Wow, that's a lot of blood. I walk over to where they've placed Josiah to suction him and to weigh him. 2.7 kg, wow, not bad. (laughs) Not too big, but not too small. I take my first look at him. Wow, he really looks like me. (laughs) I I take a look at him again. And before I know what's happened to me, wow, that's my son. (laughs) And I've fallen completely in love with him. 
for the very first time. Do you remember the first time you fell in love? Do you remember the first time you fell in love with God? Actually, a better way to put it is, do you remember the first time you realized how much God loves you? Because with God, we are not the parent, we are the helpless child. He's the one who loves us first. Do you remember that moment? The first time you realized how much God loves you. And that moment you decided to love Him back and to put your faith in Him. Do you remember where you were? Who you were with? In a stadium with thousands of people? A church service with hundreds? A small group with tens? Just that one friend or family member sharing the gospel with you? Or perhaps in the solitude of yourself and God? Do we remember what it felt like? The first realization of how sinful and guilty we all are? The release of that guilt of sin and shame? The certain confidence and hope we have in the certainty of knowing where we're going after death. The warming assurance of God's love that will be with us forever. And do you remember what life was like immediately after that? Life was so simple. We found out about God's love for us and we just want to love Him in return, to read His Word, to learn more about Him, to talk to Him, to tell everyone about Him. No sacrifice is too big, no command too difficult. We just, we're so full of faith in the God of the impossible. Do you remember what that's like? As we look at ourselves this morning, and we look at ourselves back then, are we that same person? Or have we changed? I don't know about you, but as I was thinking about this, I've realized I've changed, and not necessarily for the better. If you're anything like me, our walk with God has been complicated by different responsibilities and cares. We started off full of enthusiasm, ready to get out of the boat and to walk on water at Christ's command. But then, as time went on, we got distracted, didn't we, by the wind and the waves of work and family and looking after our parents and looking after our children and finances and a little bit of our own ego. And we started to sink. We stopped reading God's Word or telling others about the Gospel. We stopped being changed by God's Word and started focusing on the problem and sin in everyone else instead of the problem and sin in our own hearts. We started to dread the sacrifices God might want us to make. We gave excuses so that we wouldn't have to obey God's commands or serve in church 
or join a small group or pretty much do anything that would make us uncomfortable. I, we, became jaded with church and perhaps a little bit bitter with some of God's people. All of these things happened because in the words of John to the church in Ephesus, we left our first love. You see, God's love is the soil in which our love for Him and others can grow. It is the context for all commandments in the Bible. And so if we leave or forget our first love, just like I did, everything else falls apart. So would we this morning spend some time reflecting on God's love for us? Remembering that first time it wowed us and transformed us, the first time we decided we wanted to love God. The king of all kings who would wash the feet of the people who would betray him. The one who could calm the storm with a word, giving himself up to be scourged and nailed to the cross. One would say of those scorning him and mocking him and nailing to the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. The one who would leave the 99, you are so precious to him. He would leave the 99 to go in search of you and he will not stop searching. And he would throw an extravagant party in heaven when we decide to return to him. It's so important that we know, that we remember that God loves us and how much, because it's only when we realize how much God loves us that everything else in the Bible makes sense. God gave His life for us. Of course, we would give our life for Him, loving Him with everything with God, everywhere we are and with everyone we meet. Which brings us to, the, to the, our passage for this morning in Deuteronomy 6, which Jesus says is the most important command in the whole Bible. In this passage, just for some context, God is talking to a people He's already rescued from slavery because of His great love for them, and He's telling them then how to live as His treasured possession. Likewise with us, we obey the commandments we read in Deuteronomy 6, which Jesus tells us to do so in Matthew 22, because we too have been rescued from slavery to sin, and God is telling us how to live as His treasured possession because of His great love for us. Let's quickly look at what the passage says. Verses 5 and 6, we shall love God with everything we have, with all our heart, which means the, the, the very centre of our intellect, our will, and all our intentions, with all our soul, meaning our whole inner self, all our, where all our emotions and desires come from, and with all our might, which actually more literally means with all your very veryness, with all your very muchness, which just means with all your everything. And God's words should be on our hearts, meaning that we should be constantly reflecting on them. And as we love God, our lives are to be so radically different from everyone else because of our love for God and obedience to His commands everywhere and with everyone. That's what the rest of the verses say. Verse 7, we should teach 
these commands to our families and talk about them in the house and out of the house when we sleep and we wake up, i.e. to say, all the time. Verse 8, we think and reflect and apply God's commands so much that they seem like they are signs on our hands and frontlets between our eyes. When people see our lives, they see God's commands and they see God's love on us, in us. And verse 9, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, which means that we practice these both in the private of our home and in public with our friends, our colleagues, and our strangers, i.e. to say, with everyone. And as we think about loving God, remember that Jesus Himself teaches that loving God comes hand in hand with loving everyone else. Look at this, uh, when someone asks Him in Matthew 22, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? This is how Jesus replies Him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. When asked for the greatest commandment, Jesus gave two because they come hand in hand. We can't love God without loving others. And if Christianity seems complicated to you, it's not. This summarizes the teaching of all of the Bible to love God with everything we've got, everywhere, everywhere we are, and with everyone we meet. And for the rest of this morning, I'd like us just to focus on the first part of verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. The word teach here is the image of an engraver of stone who takes a hammer and chisel and tap, 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 chisels into the stone. Tough work that will take a long time, but will be there to stay and it's just as difficult to remove. Isn't that a wonderful picture of what we're supposed to do as a church? Not just for our children, but for anyone, anyone who comes through our doors, we're responsible for etching a picture of God's love onto their hearts. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, 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 as we speak and model God's love to each other. You know, there's um, something that uh, Claire once told and I that left a really deep impression in us. She was telling us about how she approaches parenting and the topic of church for her children, and she said that what she wants for her children is for them to have a wonderful experience of church. Because you see, we can't control whether our children or anyone else in the church for that matter becomes a Christian. But what we do to an extent have control over is the experience they have of church in the way we talk to them and about them, in the way we talk to each other and about each other. So Dr. Loy gave me a very good example of what this can look like. There was one, uh, there was one time that uh, our CG was, was at his house eating dinner and my son, Josiah, sort of managed to accidentally get his toy bus stuck in Dr. Loy's musical speakers. I tried, I tried to get it out, but I couldn't. It was stuck. 
I didn't know what to do. So I, I told Jojo, okay, you need to take responsibility for this. Go to Dr. Loy. <laughs> tell him what happened and say, I'm sorry. How do you think Dr. Loy responded? Let me tell you what he could have done. He could have gotten angry and scolded Jojo. He could have scolded me. <laughs> how can you be so careless? How can you let him be so careless? You know how, you know how much it's worth? Why you go and play with this speaker? Or you could have been more benevolent and said, ah, it's okay, never mind, and gone back to eating his dinner. But let me show you what he did. Affixing the coolest headgear that my son has ever seen on a human being to his head and mustering all his decades of medical and surgical training, he embarked on a delicate 20-minute operation, aided by three chopsticks and his assistant, his son Jason, to eventually fish the bus out. Not helped by the fact that Jojo was trying to help and jumping up and down on the sofa that they were trying, that was the operating table for them. Responding in love when he had the right to be angry and going out of his way to help because he knew it was important to Jojo. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, tap. You know, in 10 years' time, I, I don't know whether Jojo will remember this incident. I don't think he will. But what I can tell you is how happy he was that his parents' friend in his parents' CG responded to his mistake with love and went out of his way to help him because it was important to him. And I can tell you that these are the moments that, that will etch God's love and a picture of God's community onto my child's heart. Tap, tap, tap. <laughs> Something that will take a long time, but will be there to stay. You see, you see, in many ways, those who grow up in the church are the product of the church, and their impression of God and gospel community is slowly etched on them by the church. And as I reflect on my 31 years at GBC, I'm so thankful for the many of you who have etched God's love onto my heart. My parents, CG, who gave me my first impression of what a loving church community should look like. The kids of those in my parents' CG who went out of their way to try to talk to me when I was that awkward kid who didn't want to be involved. Chen and Jenny, Cheming and Lee Su, Christopher and Emily, Mayan, Sun and Siwei. All of my Sunday school teachers who so faithfully taught us using kuti kuti <laughs> and draw swords to try to get us to memorize those memory verses before we went to play in the church garden. Yes, we used to have a church garden that we all played in. Uncle Brian Huang, who, and to this day, I don't know why, gave me my first book on dating. I didn't even remember that he gave it to me until I was deciding to court a certain young lady in this room, 
And I found this book with his inscription on it. Pastor Bobby, who taught me that pastors can be your friends too, who play football with you and invite you to their house to, play mo- to build model aeroplanes. Kang Wei, who gave, went out of his way to invite me to CG. Ollie, who was my first mentor and gave me my first ever chance to preach at a youth camp when I ne- never even knew that I could or wanted to preach. Deborah Yap for being my first partner in ministry. Pastor Arnold and Auntie Effie for walking with Jess and I through all those so many different seasons from singleness to marriage into parenthood. Ian and Eugene for doing what many churches would not even dream of, taking and encouraging and supporting and guiding this young, untrained, inexperienced man into full-time Christian ministry. Auntie Siang and Desmond for giving me advice after I went into full-time ministry. Auntie Eileen for, giving, for having the courage to tell me some hard truths, even if I didn't want to hear it. Sherry, Claire, Pacey, and Andrea and Shermin for walking alongside Jess through the ups and downs of ministry. And the many of you who went out of your way to encourage Jess and I when you knew that ministry was tough to us. And I don't have time to name all of you, but including... Helen Yeo, Auntie Lili Pang, Yiling, Aaron and Shemaine, Kang Wei and Siu Hui, Nihi and Ern, Chuan Xin and Pei Xian, Uncle Jimmy and Auntie Pat, Uncle Kongo and Auntie Poling, Uncle Suhin and Auntie Li Peng, Uncle William and Auntie Yao, Uncle Boon and Auntie Evelyn. And of course, the friendships and gospel partnerships of so many of you in the YA, who I know have been praying for us, in the youth ministry whose love and sacrifice has never ceased to amaze me. The ECL, the Fishy Fishy Marketplace group of young parents, and the many, 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 many more that I don't have time to name. If not, I'll be up here till tomorrow. I stand before you proudly a product of GBC. And Jess and I are so thankful of, many, of so many of you, of all of you. And that's just for me. I'm sure that for each of us here, there are people who have etched God's love onto our hearts. So today, why don't we take a moment to write down the names of one or two of them? And why not thank them for etching God's love onto your heart? But at the same time, my brothers and sisters, I stand before you knowing that not everyone who has grown up in a church has had a positive experience of church. I think of many of those that I grew up with who have left the church altogether. I think of the time when during the youth camp, Chris Cole went up in front of the youth and said, guys, you need to know, in five years' time, many of your friends are not going to be here anymore. I did some digging and I found out that about 50 to 60% of those who have grown up in GBC no longer go to church. 50 to 60%. And I don't have the stats for the other churches, but I personally know friends from other churches who have either left church or have become jaded and disillusioned by God or the church. And people leave church for all sorts of reasons, and sometimes there's nothing that we can do about it, but let's be honest, sometimes there is. Let me just highlight two of the major reasons that people drop out of the church. The first is this, people leave church because of something someone said. (laughs) 
How many of us have been hurt by something someone said in the church? How many of us know someone who's left the church because of something someone said? This is a tragedy, isn't it? The church is to be a place that heals, not a place that hurts. May I give us three ways we can love God and others by being more loving in our speech? Firstly, speak as though God is listening, because He is. May I say this includes WhatsApp, email, social media. And it's not just what we say, but how we say it. And also, if we have something important to say, there's no better way than to say it face to face. Secondly, speak as though the person we're talking about will hear about it because 99% of the time, he or she will. And when they do hear about it, often they don't know who said it or in what context it was said, which makes it that much more painful. Even if we're not doing the talking but the listening around the table or in a WhatsApp group, it's our duty as God's people to stand up rather than to be silent. The third point is related to the second. Speak as though our words and actions have eternal consequences because they do. God remembers every word we say, but just as importantly, every word we say etches a picture of God on the person we're talking to or about a picture that is extremely difficult to erase. Something that takes 10 seconds to say could take 10 years to heal. Sometimes the words we choose not to say, sometimes choosing just to listen rather than say anything can be so much more powerful than what we choose to say. And granted, increasingly people take personal offence even if none was intended or even if none was then, we can as a church family learn, also learn to give the benefit of the doubt to our brothers and sisters in the same family. Or at least not go around looking for something to get offended by. But friends, let's also learn to love God in what we say. The second reason many people leave the church is because of hypocrisy, which simply put is, love, is pretending to love God when we don't. If everything we did or said or thought we did out of love for God or others, there'll be no more hypocrisy in the whole world. Can I suggest some ways to apply this? As you see in the first point, loving God means realizing how undeserving we all are of God's grace and so we treat everyone with humility and respect. Because hypocrisy arises when we forget that we are all sinners, undeserving of God's grace, and so we become self-righteous. Secondly, loving God means stewarding the voice of God in everything we say and write. Hypocrisy arises when we don't think before we speak, when we don't pray before we blabber, 
when we focus on saying what we feel like saying rather than what God would rather we say or not say. Thirdly, looking at the log in our own eye before pointing out the speck in others. Hypocrisy arises when we focus on pointing out everyone else's sins while casually ignoring the ones in our own heart. Fourth, loving God means being humble enough to be open about our weaknesses and struggles. Because hypocrisy arises where we pretend that we don't struggle with sin. And can I say from personal experience, this is especially difficult, but especially important for those of us who are parents and grandparents. Because at home, our children will see us for who we really are, not who we say or pretend to be. Fifthly and lastly, loving God means loving our neighbour as ourselves. Hypocrisy arises when we love others, when we love ourselves more than others. God loves us, so love God and each other. This is my prayer for GBC, that rooted and grounded in God's love, we would increasingly grow in our love for God and for each other. To end, I was reflecting on my time in GBC, um, and so I, as I was reflecting, I was thinking, what would I now say to myself when I first became a Christian at age 16 years old, all those many, many years ago? And so to end, I wanted to share with you a letter I wrote to myself at 16 when I first became a Christian at GBC. Dear Sam, first things first, it's about your secondary school classmate, Jessica. I don't know how else to say it, you're going to marry her. It's very, very difficult to explain exactly how this happens, and there will be times when you think it's going to seem completely impossible. But let me tell you, trust God. Trust His plan and trust His timing. And there's also a girl in the Chinese service that your brother should pay a special attention to. Anyway, so you become a Christian, and it seems like a lot of things to do and to know. Let me boil it down for you. There's actually one main thing you do need to know. God loves you, so love Him and love others. As long as you follow that, you'll do fine. As a Christian, you've got a new family at GBC. Actually, it's the same people you've grown up with all these past 16 years. But now that you're a Christian, everything is different. They're not just people you see at church every Sunday. They're now your brothers and sisters, every single one of them, some of whom are going to become your very best friends, who will be a source of direction when you're lost, of comfort when you are down, and of rebuke when you need it when you think you don't need it. You know, Sam, Christian community is a wonderful thing where relationships go beyond age and race and nationality and culture. You know your godparents, Uncle Chongtian and Auntie Chengsi? They're so much older than you and more mature than you, but one day, believe it or not, you're going to be serving alongside them in the youth ministry. 
You know Uncle Kong and Auntie Poling? One day, they're not going to just be an auntie and uncle at church. They're going to be two of your very best friends from the same CG as yours. Isn't that amazing? And believe it or not, one day, you and Papa are going to be serving alongside each other as elders of the church. Treasure those moments. Because it's one of the best things you will ever be able to experience in the church. Serving alongside your dad as an elder. There'll be days when you don't feel like you're good enough for the church or for God because you're going to do some pretty sinful things and feel guilty about them. You're going to even feel like dropping out of church. Don't. That would be like a sick person refusing to go to the hospital. The church is for sinners to come as we are. There is no wound God can't heal, no mistake that He can't forgive because His power is infinite and His love and grace and mercy are like an ocean. More than you can ever imagine. So never drop out of the church. When there'll be be days when someone says something to you that will hurt you, sometimes a lot. Please know that just because another Christian or someone in the church says something, that doesn't mean that their words are from God. Sometimes broken people say hurtful things. But God loves them. So you should too, even when you don't feel like it. So forgive them. Quickly, unconditionally, even if they don't think they did anything wrong, even if they don't ask for forgiveness. There'll be days when you will do or say something that will hurt someone else. Of course you will. Don't think so much, just say you're sorry. And mean it. Quickly, unconditionally. Even if you had a very good, even if you had a very good reason for doing it. Or even if you didn't mean to hurt them. Because let me tell you, there are so many things that God wants to do in His church. And saving face is just not one of them. Lastly, there'll be days when you'll feel so jaded by the church that you're going to feel like giving up and leaving. If you do want to explore other churches, go ahead. But don't do it indefinitely. And if you do come to a decision that the GBC is the place that God wants you to be, It's the family He wants you to have. It's the place He wants you to serve. Stay! (laughs) And put yourself out there and get to know people even when it's awkward. (laughs) And get plugged in and serve even when you don't seem to have time, even when it's uncomfortable. Whatever you do, never ever give up on the church. 
because Christ died for the church, and it's God's plan that the church is how His love is modeled to the rest of the world. There is no other way. Not in spite of our messiness and brokenness, but because of our messiness and brokenness that shows the world that God can work through messy and broken people such as ourselves to model His perfect love to each other. If you ever want to see this love in action, I highly, highly recommend going for a wedding or going for a wake. You'll see GBC members come together for no reason other than to show love and support each other. And I tell you, you go there and it's like a glimpse of heaven. You see, if Jesus saw the church as worth dying for, surely it's something worth fighting for. Whatever happens, trust in God's plan and remember, no matter what, God loves you. So love Him and love others. Love them. Once again, Jess and I would like to express our love for every single one of you, and thank you for the love and friendship and partnership in the gospel that you have shown us all these years. Maybe I could close our time by praying for all of you. Let's pray. Maybe could I just give us a couple of moments to remember the time we first fell in love with God all the time we first realized how much God loves us. There are some of us here who are carrying baggage and hurt, sometimes for hours, days, weeks, months, years, even decades. A hurt that we may have buried, a hurt that may still be raw, a hurt that may have become dormant, or a hurt that has become toxic, a wound that just keeps opening and reopening and reopening and has paralyzed us, made us fearful of getting to know people, <laughs> fearful of putting ourselves out there, fearful of being vulnerable, fearful of hoping in the church anymore, fearful of trusting God. Friends, the church is not perfect, but it's Christ's body whom He died for, and so it's worth fighting for. If you have hurt this morning, could today be the, this morning be the day you finally forgive and let go of that baggage, especially the ones that are years and decades old? Maybe we were in the right Maybe he or she was in the wrong. 
And what wrong is this? Christians who don't forgive each other. Christians who hold grudges, that's not what God wants. Even if the other person thinks he or she did nothing wrong, we forgive them this morning. Quickly, unconditionally. Even as we spend some time with God, there's others of us, sometimes the same people who we also realize that we have hurt other people as well through our words and our actions, the cold shoulders, the change in our tone of voice, the way we talk about the person behind their back, the provocative article we leave we send to others and we say, just so you can think about it. There's so many things to do in the church and saving face is not one of them. So would we decide this morning, say sorry. Quickly. Unconditionally. And even as we have these moments of reflection. Some of us may be wracked by the horror and the guilt of what we've done. God loves you. He's known that we've done this all along. He knows what we're going to do. God loves you. And Christ obeyed the command perfectly for us so that even when we don't obey it perfectly, we can have full confidence that Jesus loves us. And more than that, He has given us a new heart, a heart that can forgive, a heart that can apologize, and a heart that even though it's been broken so many times, can love unconditionally. Because God loves us. Christ died for us. So would we love God and love others? There's a last group of us who may feel like so many things have happened that we feel that we can't be ourselves at church. We're worried about what other people will think, what other people will say, what God will think, what God will say. There are many of us here who are no longer here. We're here in person, but not in spirit. And we have many, we have many friends, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunties, parents, children, who seem like they've given up on God. God hasn't given up on them, so we pray for them as well. And if you are one of that person, may I tell you, don't give up on God because God will leave the 99 to search for you and He will keep on searching until He's found, until you're found and He will throw an extravagant party the moment you return. Lord God, I want to pray for every single brother and sister here and I want to pray for every single brother and sister who is no longer here. 
your church is such a messy place, but it's made beautiful by the blood of the Lamb. Your church is such a wounded place that has been healed by your wounds. Your church is such a broken place that has been made whole by your son's perfect sacrifice on the cross. Lord God, I thank you for this church that has been through so many seasons and challenges and and joys and heartbreaks and yet still walks on by your grace and your strength. We thank you for all those who have walked before us, some who are no longer with us, but are looking down from heaven. And I thank you for every single brother and sister here who is continuing to make your body what it is, a collection of imperfect sinners. Telling one beggar, telling another beggar where to find bread. One sinner apologizing to another for what they've done wrong. And, another, and one sinner forgiving another sinner unconditionally because Christ has forgiven unconditionally. We do pray for some of the wounds that run deep in our hearts that you would do a work. Help us, Lord, to love you with everything we have, everywhere we go, and with everyone, everyone that you place our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.